this might be the best sports film ever made. And I truly believe that. And I think Paxton and everybody involved truly believes that. You know, it's rare when you're on a set where everybody's looking around going, we're working on something cool. And, and, and that's because of Paxton. He's got everybody believing. This story is the original underdog story in American sports. And I, I, I was just inspired by it. And I knew there was a great movie here, and Mark Frost believed in it, and Walt Disney Studios believed in it. And I think that's what we've brought. We've brought something that truly is a classical story that will speak to all ages, for all time. It's, it's as relevant now as it, it ever was. Greetings y'all, it's your knock Peter Mata back again, and today we're going to talk about the greatest game ever played and ponder on if it is the greatest golf movie ever made. So I talked a little bit about the movie in my Legend of Backer Vance video, but let's get more into the background of it here. Released at theaters in September of 2005, the greatest game ever played was a PG rated film from Walt Disney Productions. So for all of you who have Disney Plus streaming, you could actually catch all two hours of it on there right now. As far as the setting, the story mainly takes place in the early 1900s in Brookline, Massachusetts. Specifically, it focuses on the 1913 US Open that took place at the very renowned country club. Now for the real location they filmed it at, it was actually shot in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. And that golf course they were on was actually Kanawaki Golf Club. In terms of the people on and behind the screen, we had some real solid talent working on this movie. The late great Bill Paxson was the director of it, and the leads included a young Shia LaBeouf, Stephen Delane, and Elias Cotes. While there were also a lot of lesser known actors in big roles here, I have to say everyone included in the cast and crew did a wonderful job crafting this movie together. Shia LaBeouf even claimed that this was the movie that transformed him from a child actor to an adult actor. So that's pretty cool to think about, and I'll get into more details in the review part of this video on his and the other's performance. As for Bill Paxton, this was really only his second time as a movie director, his first time coming in the 2001 thriller Frailty, and this was actually his last time at the directing helm, so it's kind of an interesting filmography that he has as a director with two very well made and very different movies. Lastly, as far as the delightful and classy music in this movie, Brian Tyler, who's done a number of other movies, deserves a big shout out. The music in here was really well composed and I'd say perfectly suits the movie. So that was a brief background on the movie, now let's get into the plot and theme of it. And for what it's worth, this is your spoiler alert warning right here if you want to watch the movie before listening to this. So first off, the greatest game ever played movie was actually based on the 2002 book of the same name by Mark Frost, which as mentioned was based on the true story of the 1913 US Open. Mr. Frost also wrote the screenplay for the film, and after Bill Paxson read the script, he was inspired by it and felt very compelled to be a part of making this movie. An interesting tidbit about Bill was that when he was a kid, he lived off the 11th fairway at Shady Oaks Country Club in Fort Worth, Texas, 
which happened to be Ben Hogan's home course. Bill even at one point helped shag golf balls for the Hawk when he lived there. Anyways, getting into the plot now. The greatest game ever played focuses on two main plot points with our two main characters, Francis we met and Harry Varden. The movie spends a majority of the time on Francis' story as it shows his upbringing and his love for the game of golf. We see early on that he not only caddies and lives across the street from the country club, but we also see his idolization of Harry Varden, who is in the prime of his career. And another plot point we follow is essentially the behind the scenes of Harry Varden during this prime of his career. And throughout the movie, we get a lot of build up to that legendary 1913 US Open where these plot points collide. In that build up, we get several scenes that show this is not simply a movie just about the game of golf, but more so about the culture that surrounds it. Most specifically, the class divide between our main characters and the golf world at that time, which was mainly ruled by the upper class. And this classism essentially makes up the main theme of the movie, and we get several excellent scenes with our two main characters that shows how it affects their lives, how they deal with it, and how they eventually overcome it. For Francis, it goes several layers. First and foremost, his relationship with his father, who was played by Elias Cotes, is strained because of their differing priorities. The movie early on shows that the Wiemets are the prototypical American immigrant working class family, and we see Francis' father trying to instill early on the importance of putting in hard work in order to earn a wage for the family. As far as the father is concerned, he just wants his family to keep their heads down and stay in their lane as opposed to reaching for something that he perceives is not for them. And this is constant throughout the movie. As Francis develops his talents in golf, his father is always right there to try to tell him that it's not for their type of people and that he should give it up to try to find a real job. This even gets to a point of where he essentially disowns Francis. Another layer of it for Francis is when he meets the Wallace family, and in particular their daughter Sarah, who Francis takes a liking to. Channeling his inner Titanic, Bill Paxson directs this great scene where Francis is attending a social event prior to the qualifier for the US Amateur. While he and Sarah get along nicely, her family was not as charmed. Swell girl, your daughter. Young man, you may have been invited, but don't get the idea that you belong here. Right then and there, it showed that even though Francis was talented, well-mannered, and lived across the street his whole life from the club, these upper-class people did not see him as an equal. And the last layer of it where Francis deals with this is on the golf course. Again, no matter his talent, he's only seen as a caddy and or amateur golfer. His competitors don't respect him, and the tournament officials don't respect his decision to keep his kid caddy Eddie Lowry. As far as how Harry Varden deals with the class divide, his story is a touch more straightforward. From the very first scene of the movie, we see a young Harry Varden encounter mysterious men who have come to begin building a golf course where Harry lives. Not knowing anything about this, a young Harry asks about what golf is and gets immediately put in his place. And throughout the movie, we see that this experience with these men sort of haunt Harry 
Even though he goes on to become a legendary champion of the game, he still has the sense that he doesn't belong. This is evident in the subplot where he's being invited by Lord Norcliffe to join their prestigious gentlemen's club back in the UK. Norcliffe also eventually wants Harry to join his handpicked player Wilfred Reed in trying to recapture the US Open trophy. However, we see that Harry is ultimately uncomfortable with Norcliffe's snobbish nature and is more comfortable with his friend Ted Ray, who is a champion golfer himself and comes from humble beginnings like Harry. As I said earlier, all of this is built up for the 1913 US Open, where Francis, Harry, Ted Ray, and others compete for the championship. As they go through this tournament, we get some nice character development. We see Francis and Eddie develop an unexpected chemistry on the course. We see Ted Ray is more than the wild man Norcliffe portrays him as. And we see Harry's a man who loves using gamesmanship. All of this culminates in a dramatic finish that leads to all three of them entering an 18-hole playoff against each other. Outside of the course, the plot thickens. Francis' relationship with his father is at the point of disownment until Francis' mother finally speaks up prior to the playoff. He has a God-given talent, and this is his one chance to give a voice to it. He's just trying to make you proud. We also see Harry finally expressing his true feelings toward Lord Northcliffe after Northcliffe was poking fun at Francis' social status. Let me tell you something, I came here to win a trophy. And on the face of it, Ted Ray or I should carry it off. Not for you, not for England, but for sheer bloody pride at being the best. That's why we do this. And if Mr. Weemit wins tomorrow, it's because he's the best. Because of who he is. Not who his father was, not how much money he's got. Because of who he bloody is! Francis himself joins in this expression when he finally tells off the club officials who were trying to force him to change caddies. As the playoff looms, the press member who has been following the tournament hypes it up by calling it a showdown between one David versus two Goliaths, and he bestows the playoff with the movie name, The Greatest Game Ever Played. Finally getting to the finish, the playoff progresses and it remains close until the end. It actually winds up being a duel between Francis and Harry after Ted Ray blows up on a hole and falls too far back. While Harry tries to use gamesmanship on Francis on the 17th hole, Eddie catches onto it and advises Francis to correctly lay up. This ultimately leads to Francis taking a one-shot lead to the final hole. On that final hole, Harry just misses a putt to tie, which leaves Francis a short putt to win. Nervous and fighting past inner demons, he steps off and Eddie has to comfort him. As he did throughout the tournament, Eddie says the right words at the right time, which helps Francis refocus. Finally overcoming all those past inner demons, Francis makes the putt to win, and it leads to an emotional celebration from everyone. As he encourages the crowd to pass the hat for Eddie, we see Francis finally getting acceptance from his father, and we see that Sarah is following Francis, despite her family's disapproval. As the movie wraps up, we get a job well done from Harry to Francis, and we get the closing credits on Francis and Eddie walking off in the sunset as lifelong friends. So that was the plot and theme of the movie. Let's get into some of the reaction and reviews 
as well as focus more on that title question of whether the greatest game ever played is indeed the greatest golf movie ever made. So as I did with my Legend of Bagger Vance video, let's first take a look at the IMDB ratings and the Rotten Tomato scores. On IMDB, the ratings averaged out to 7.4 stars out of 10, so pretty darn solid there. And on Rotten Tomatoes, users gave it a 63% fresh on the tomato meter, and the audience gave it 82% on the audience score. So based on these numbers, the movie was pretty well received by those critics and audience that saw it. And I say it that way, because while it was seemingly enjoyable to most, the movie was not seen by a lot of people, and in fact, it was not much of a box office success. With an estimated $26 million budget, the movie only made a little over $15 million back for it in the theaters. Now it did make roughly $40 million in the home market sales, which indicates it was more of a wait until it comes out on DVD type of movie for people. So I thought that was interesting. Anyways, let's see what some people specifically thought about the movie. Starting with old Roger Ebert, who indeed liked it and gave it 3 stars out of 4. In his review, he said, quote, Here's a movie that tells that story in exactly that story, devoting a considerable amount of its running time to the final rounds and playing like a superb sports telecast. Because some of the opening scenes seem borrowed from other underdog movies, I was surprised to realize toward the end how gripping the movie had become. Another critic, Stephen Gray Danis from Decent Film Guide, offered some good praise by saying, quote, the greatest game ever played is perhaps the most visually and emotionally dynamic film ever made about a game of golf. He continued saying, yet, if the greatest game doesn't manage to distinguish itself from other sports movies, it's still more than good enough to distinguish itself from other golf movies. Other golf movies assume that you either already love the game or that you don't. The greatest game may give you some appreciation for why other people love it even if you don't. So I'd say that gives a good overall description of what makes this movie work, and I'll go more into those nice traits that the movie has in a bit, but first, let's take a look at some of the things that others didn't particularly like. So one thing that some probably didn't care for is the movie topic of golf. Here's what one critic said about the movie, quote, We Met versus Varden probably was the greatest game ever played, and Paxson and Frost do it justice but I wouldn't sit through another simulated hole of it for Tiger Woods' salary. This is a common theme in golf movies. As I mentioned in the Legend of Bagger Vance video, golf can be a hard sell for a movie topic. Now it can be done right, but it can still struggle to capture people's interest. So clearly, for some, that didn't work for them. And Mark also subtly mentioned another thing that might have bothered some, that being, the golf action being simulated with CGI effects. The visual part of the movie was sort of hit and miss. Some of the camera angles were absolutely great and actually pretty revolutionary for covering golf action. But after recently re-watching it, some of the other CGI stuff didn't come off too well, so I can certainly see where the criticism for that is coming from. Not mentioned in this review, but mentioned in a number of them, was that while the story was nicely told, it was too predictable for some, and or it didn't bring anything new to the table. And I guess I'd say that's fair. I think your expectations of a movie has a huge part in how you ultimately judge it. With a name like the greatest game ever played, and having the backing of Disney and Bill Paxson, 
along with the young Shia LaBeouf, I can see if some might have thought there would have been more to it. Now, it wasn't for a lack of trying by the producers to Hollywoodize and make the story more exciting. For instance, they made the score closer than it was in reality. Francis We Met actually won the playoff by 5 shots, rather than the nail-biting one-shot victory that the movie portrays. And there are other things that didn't necessarily stick to historical accuracy, and for some, that bothered them too. But I think if you take it for what it is, a retelling of a true underdog story, then this is an easily enjoyable movie that provides a nice and inspirational payoff in the end. As far as my thoughts on it, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie, and for me, it doesn't get old. I enjoyed it on the first watch, and I think it's got plenty of rewatchability to it. I thought Bill Paxton did a great job directing and keeping the story focused, which was a big reason why this movie was more well received compared to The Legend of Bagger Vance. It's interesting that he only took a couple swipes at directing, because it seemed he had the instinct for it. I always enjoyed his acting roles, but definitely wouldn't have mind seeing more from him on the directing front. Another thing I enjoyed from the movie was the acting performances. I thought Stephen Delane and Elias Cotes brought a nice sternness and gravitas to their roles. Both of them always seem to deliver in the movies and shows that they're in, so I thought they were very solid casting choices. Special shout out to Josh Flitter for playing Eddie Lowry. Some might not have liked his kiddiness, but I thought he brought an amusing charm as Francis We Met's caddy. And ultimately, huge credit goes to Shia LaBeouf for being the lead and carrying this movie. Now we've all seen how Shia's career has progressed, but I've always thought when he's focused, he can deliver some good acting. Especially in those early years. His work in this movie, Holes, and I know people like to poke fun at Transformers, but Shia was a big part of why not only that first Transformers was entertaining, but also why all of these movies were enjoyable to watch. So it's rightfully so that he calls this movie his transition point from being a child actor to an adult actor. You really see him grow as his character grows in the movie. He brings a likability to the role, and he also brings a nice believable fighting spirit to the role that's needed because his character is trying to fight against classism. And on that point of fighting classism, and it being the main theme of the movie, I think using that as the theme was a good choice to focus on, because as we've seen, it works effectively in a ton of different movies. In this case, it works perfectly in this golf setting, because especially during that time, Golf was a game that's perceived to be only for the very rich and upper class. As the man in the beginning put it, Golf is a game played by gentlemen, not for the likes of you. Now, run along, boy. And obviously that perception has changed over time and continues to change. Golf now is truly welcome for everyone that wants to play it. Which is why telling stories like Francis We Met is so important because it shows things can change and you can overcome those who believe you don't belong. This leads me to another great thing that I enjoyed about this movie that I haven't really touched on, that being the sort of smaller theme of overcoming your past inner demons, especially while playing golf. In the movie, they did a spot on job of showing how Francis and Harry both deal with this. For Francis, he shakes over short putts and gets nervous when someone important in his life watches him play. For Harry, he often sees those men from the beginning of the movie, shadowing him and haunting him as he plays. But using Harry's famous words, There are only two types of player, 
Those who keep their nerves in control and win championships, and those who do not. They both find ways to overcome it. Francis, with help from Eddie, finally finds a way to relax and just let his talent take over. And Harry, taking motivation from the crowd and clearing out the surrounding when he gets ready to hit. As a competitive golfer myself, I truly love the way they frame this because this is realistically how it feels when you're in the heat of it. For me, this is the one golf movie that truly captures that essence of it. So getting to the gist of it now, yes, given all the things people have for and against this movie, I for one truly love and enjoy it. Overall, for a final grade, I'd give it an A. As far as where it stands within the golf movie realm, I'm willing to stand by the case I made in this video and say that it is indeed the greatest golf movie ever made, to this point at least. Obviously it's all subjective, Caddyshack and Happy Gilmore have amazing cultural impact as comedies about golf, both are hilarious and brought in a great amount of people who don't even play the game. Tin Cup, which I guess could be debated is a dramedy, also had a significant cultural impact, especially for golfers. I'd say for golfers, they might enjoy it even more than those other two because of the realistic portrayal of the game and tour life in that movie. Y'all obviously know my thoughts on The Legend of Bagger Vance. I like it and it brought in the big names to work on it, but unfortunately for many others, it was not the same for them as it was weighed down by an unfocused storyline. And there are a few other golf movies that could be mentioned, but I'd say most likely a lot of people's top five is made up of those that I just listed. Like I said, it's all subjective and it's hard to judge across the different genres. But for me, what gives the greatest game ever played the edge is the fact that it is a true underdog story. While they Hollywoodized the story a bit, I'm fine with the way they told it. The main point of Francis we met overcoming the odds to win the biggest tournament against the biggest names is all that was needed. I haven't even really mentioned the craziness for him as an amateur to win a major championship in his first try no less. I mean his name still holds up in golf record books for what he accomplished in this story, which is truly remarkable. So while I enjoy all the others on the list of golf movies, Tin Cup being a close second, the fact that the greatest game ever played was real pretty much does it for me. So anyways, those were some of my thoughts and others thoughts on the greatest game ever played and its standing amongst golf movies. I leave the final words to y'all. What do you think about the greatest game ever played? And what do you think is the greatest golf movie ever made?